in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. Is it is it the future still, or is it 1988? We've jumped a little bit further or backwards in the time stream, but in the, in the end of the day, it's all about drinking a lot of new Coke, eating a lot of Cool Ranch Doritos, and playing some Intellivision. Yeah, that's right. I didn't have Atari 2600. I had an Intellivision. And boy, oh boy, was there a great He-Man game. I'm the host with most, Andy Larson. Welcome back to this week's show. We're all talking about the 80s on this particular program, and I'm joined by two other 80s babies, my regular co-hosts, Chad Smith and J.A. Scott. Guys, what do you miss about that fantastic decade? Rewinding tapes when you're done watching a movie. In the little red car rewinder. Yeah, Blockbuster would really be pissed at you if you didn't return it or rewound. They would just be, I know you'd be booted out of there. Chad, what do you miss about the 80s? I'm going to go a different... I miss Mutual Assured Destruction. (laughs) Kids these days, they think they've got it so tough with their pandemics and all their bullying and all that stuff. No, in the 80s, we went to bed every night worried that Russia was going to blow us up and we were going to blow them up and everybody's going to be blown up. And so instead, we just sat around and watched Night Court reruns and it was awesome. (laughs) That's how we had to soothe ourselves with Night Court. Harold T. Stone. That's right. Bull and lots of Mel Torme. It was great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we always had Patrick Swayze to save us if the Russians invaded. That's right. <laughs> there you go. He was both next of kin and he carried a watermelon. It was wonderful. And speaking of uh, wonderful things from the 80s, we've got a wonderful guest on today's program, the wonderfully talented comic book creator, Kaylin Smith. Yay! And we've brought her on to the last comic shop to talk comics with us. Kaylin, what do you miss about the 80s? I'm wearing them now, the stirrup pant. Oh, jeez. I'm not really wearing them now. That was just a butt. Yeah, I mean, come on. You don't have to, like, you know, worry about your pants riding up for, for some reason. <laughs> They're appropriately stirrup. Good point. Good point. And we're hoping that you'll make some other good points on today's program. But uh, for those folks that aren't really uh, familiar with your fantastic work, I know that uh, I was first introduced uh, to you uh, a couple years back doing a show in Pittsburgh. And my co-host, Chad Smith, and I were honored uh, to be on a comic book panel with you. We were talking about a bunch of comic book characters that made social justice or social implications or or something regardless it was a great opportunity just to sit down and hear your thoughts on comic books and that's why i wanted to bring you on the taste program but real quickly i wanted to educate everybody on the show uh how did you get your start in comic books like why did you decide comic books that's what i want to do i just uh wandered in you know looked around like okay 
Uh, no, it was just kind of by accident, to be honest. I mean, I went to school for animation. I wanted to be an animator. You know, that was my goal. I, I really wanted to be a character designer or a storyboard artist. You know, right when you graduate, you have so many offers. Um, but no, I, I wanted to build up a portfolio of different artwork. And, you know, I followed a lot of web comics. And I thought, okay, you know, web comics, storyboarding, it's it's very similar. So, yeah, I just started making Plume. And then, uh, yeah, it grew in popularity. And here I am. I absolutely love it. I love it to death. And you, you're the type of uh, creator and artist where your work, you're not just one niche. You've run the gamut, like Boom, uh, was, had like Western influences. I, you did Hope, which was a, a great five-issue miniseries where there was a, a superhero mom who, who goes through some stuff, uh, to, to put it lightly. And then also, for goodness sake, we were checking that out the other day. I, I, what is that romance or how would you classify uh it just i i called it a buddy adventure story um okay you know romance is kind of like that carrot that you just dangle um but yeah it's definitely a adventure comedy story with some fantasy in there because you know he's cursed apparently i have a theme going through my my comics but uh <laughs> yeah he's cursed and they're trying to cure him of the curse by doing some good deeds so Absolutely. I've uh, really enjoyed all all of your work, including your most recent one with For Goodness Sake. And ultimately, yeah, you know, one of the things we like to do on The Last Comic Shop is bring folks into the comic book tent. It's a really easy read for any folks that are out there. It it, it plays with some of those, I'm not going to say rom-com kind of tropes, but it, it really does have some some neat little kind of Sam and Diane kind of thing from Cheers where it's like uh, you, you got to keep it out there you know I mean you can't mm-hmm. get these folks together right from the, <laughs> the word go you kind of have to keep teasing the audience and and just the relationship that uh, that rain and 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 David start kind of working through throughout the book I, it, it's just marvelous Aww. to be honest oh, thank you thank you I was gonna comment you mentioned the the stirrup pants earlier. There's definitely a lot of mom jeans, and for goodness sake. Yes, I will admit. There's, some, the there's a couple That's... chairs in my own closet, sir, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how that's a style that's coming back. You know, it's it's purely the butt crack issue. When you sit down, your butt is firmly in your pants, so, you there know. There you go. You don't run into <laughs> problems that way. No, believe me. I, I came of age in the 90s where we had the, the giant pants where, like, if the wind blew too hard, you might be parachuted oh. away because your pants were so big. You had all those so. weird buckles hanging off of your pants, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Jinko. Yeah. Is it Jinko pants? Jinko jeans. Jinko. Yes. No vowels except the O at the end. Jinko. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in the process. So, something like, uh, for goodness sake, uh, we read through volume one. How long does that take you to put together? And, and what is what is the process? Do you do you start with the writing? Do you start with the art? Do you kind of meet that in the middle? And then, you know, from sort of sketching out your ideas to finished product, what sort of turnaround time do you put yourself through? For that first volume, I know I had the first issue done within a, a month, maybe a month and a half. But that was when, you know, we were actually still, you know, in the real world, uh, there was no <laughs> pandemic. Uh, so I was going to shows and, and all that. So the beauty of this pandemic is I got to be able to work on this comic, like, go, go, go. So I was able to complete it 
pretty quickly. But yeah, I mean, me being the the artist and the writer, the steps are kind of fluid through the whole thing. You know, I'm able to change on the fly once I'm thumbnailing or even, gosh, this last issue, I got through flatting it. And then I'm like, this doesn't sound right. And went back and redrew some pages. So yeah, it's it's a very fluid process for me. I think you can do what you want. I do what I want. I was going to ask whether or not, do you prefer being both the writer and the artist? I know you've worked on on kind of both kinds of projects uh, in your career. I was just wondering like the difference between that. It seems like you're both the writer and the artist. You have a lot more creative control, obviously. But like then again, you're also doing all of the lifting. You know, does it become taxing? Does it? Do you, do you prefer working collaboratively? I love to play with others. However, it is so much fun just to work on your own property. Yes, you don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of. You know, so yeah, you you kind of second guess yourself every turn when you're creating a project. However, I love it. I love the challenge. Uh, I love creating a world and bringing it to life. And it's purely my own vision. So. But that being said, I mean, I've, I've done some really great collaborations in the past and bringing someone else's passion project to life is, is an amazing thing, but I got to choose my own. I, I really do. At the uh, end of the no, day. that's awesome. That's, <laughs> it's like you said, at the end of the day, you, you have to answer to yourself. And when you're yeah. creating everything, like at the end of the day, you can have something that you're proud of. You don't have to worry about having to have made those sacrifices or the, uh, what do you call that when you let somebody else have their way? I'm real bad at it. Uh, <laughs> is it called cooperation I, yeah, don't I don't think there's a word for it so anyway <laughs> you don't have to worry about that stuff yeah. you know what they say when there's tension in creation like with george lucas like come on now when george <laughs> lucas had other folks telling him these ideas are awful you got a better product that's just what i'm thinking but i i can understand uh, we're gonna get to a commercial break right here we're gonna be right back with our read pile book for this week uh, it is Kaylin Smith's Choice, and she picked Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang. So uh, we will be right back after these messages with that collaboration. So stay tuned. My name is Nicholas Haskins, and I'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for The Cure. To do that, I brought along two people whom I couldn't do this event without, Gerald Morris and Dan Brennick. Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop. And on today's program, we're going to be reviewing a wonderful book that was recommended by our special guest, Kaylin Smith. This book is, gosh, it's really good for those folks that like things like Stranger Things and uh, any sort of nostalgic throwback to the 80s boy howdy you gotta pick up paper girls by brian k vaughn bkv as we like to say and cliff chang yeah i think we actually recommended a cliff chang uh, book on a previous show didn't we chad you did um 
yeah, his Wonder Woman run, Brian Azzarello, it's one of the best books out of the New 52. But yeah, Cliff Chang is an awesome artist. And since we're already getting into it, you have Matt Wilson on Colors, who's been rocking it on Daredevil for the entire like Mark Wade, Chris Somney uh, run. And you have Jared Fletcher on lettering. He ran uh, from 2015 to 2019. And uh, this book is highly, highly acclaimed. Uh, it has won lots and lots of Eisner's. Uh, in 2016, it won Best New Series. It also won Best Penciler for Cliff Chang. In 2017, The Colorist got its, uh, its nod when Matt Wilson took home the Eisner for Best Colorist. And also Brian K. Vaughn won for Best Writer. And then uh, uh, Matt Wilson also won 2019 for best colorist. So yeah, lots of Eisners under this thing's belt. So we've got our guest, Kaylin Smith. She's going to give us our 10 cent synopsis oh, for man. the first volume. No, first no volume. Yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> uh, first volume of Paper Girls. So explain um, this. Okay. Well, it starts out with a very unassuming a group of ladies, uh, girls, 12-year-olds, uh, that deliver papers. And uh, they discover a ship of some sort in a basement. And then, basically, the turd hits the fan. Um, where you you see... It's like futuristic, but not but it's it's it just goes crazy like you think it's just a nice calm nostalgic story and then you know the big fat turd hits the fan so it's great <laughs> is that that's a good that's <laughs> no that's real good yeah that's fine that that is as 10 cents as you're gonna get and uh, real quickly to add i mean yeah those turds they have pterodactyl wings and there's some guy that's got a beard and I don't know, he's got wearing an Apple t-shirt, and he's like, oh, you young hooligans, get off my lawn! (laughs) Don't forget about the melty face ninja guys. Actually reminds me of my favorite line in that, when he was like, they were explaining what these guys look like, and they were like, yeah, remember that Rocky Dennis guy from the what, uh... (laughs) (laughs) The Elephant Man, or no, what was that movie? Oh, what is that movie with, uh, Eric Dultz? Isn't he in that? There you go. See, that's that's J.A. coming in as our as our movie buff. Uh, but no, it is full of 80s references. Again, if you like Stranger Things, you're going to love this book because that's that's it's got that same feel to it in which it's it's taking you back. Uh, the one girl, uh, what Aaron has like dreams about, you know, uh, the girl that was that died on the Challenger Christa, explosion. Krista McCullough. And then later With on, she has another wings. dream, a fever dream about uh, Ronald Reagan after he gets, she, she gets shot. But um, That was so creepy with the blood coming out of his coat. Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, every shot doesn't get you. But um, go ahead and get initial thoughts. And we're going to go ahead and start off with my cousin, J.A., because he's been a big fan of Brian K. Vaughn's work uh, from Saga, which he, he might end up recommending by the end of the show. But, J.A., what did you think of Paper Girls? I liked it. And... Uh, I wanted to read more, so you know that's always a good thing when you get to the end and you want to you want to continue the story. I would say the only trepidation I have is I'm glad to know that it's finished because that's the big problem I have with Saga. I've got nine volumes in and I'm still waiting for the next nine to finish the damn story. <laughs> but it's nice to know that this one has a an ending, so at least I can get you know uh, I feel like a, there's a conclusion to everything. It does have that 1980s nostalgia trip going on. So if you grew up in the 80s, I think it's it's very much catering towards that population. So people who are 
in their 30s and 40s now like to read comics will really uh, get into it. I, I love that the, the protagonist, while they're only 12-year-old girls and you meet them you know, very quickly and there's not a lot of uh, buildup or exposition getting into the story, they each start to define themselves as you go through this first volume. I, you know, They each have sort of a role to play and you see especially with sort of the leader, how she's very, you know, she is very brash. And, and uh, what am I trying to say here? Uh, she smokes. She's tough. Yes. <laughs> she's got lots of proof. She's, yes. She's got some pepper yeah, she, in her. She, that's it. Thank you. She, um, she sort of adheres to some, some very cliched stereotypical role positions, but then you see that a lot of that is just a facade as well. And that's what I liked. So that he's taking these cliches and using them to explore something, as opposed to just having them there because it's lazy writing. Was there was there one particular girl that you ended up gravitating towards, or like saying like, yeah, no, that that's my that's my favorite, that's my favorite beetle right there. It's not George, it's Ringo, the, the one with the hockey stick. Hey, G. Oh. She was yeah. my favorite. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she is cool. I like um, uh, the one that plays. Uh, video games and yeah, her light she, flashes before her eyes and that's all and yeah. it's all arc noise i love that part especially with the orientation that you the book switches on its side i love that it's very true kaylin why don't you jump in here real quickly now have you read a lot of other brian k vaughn books or is this like um see i gotta admit something i didn't i didn't grow up with comics <laughs> see I, i'm so new to the comic world to be quite honest like I always get nervous when people are like, oh, recommend a, your favorite comic book. I'm like, I, I I, don't have a favorite comic book. I'm an animator. Like, I can I can tell you animations that I just love up and yes. down. But comic books, I just, I didn't grow up in that world. But I did pick up this book when I was at a book signing. I think it was in Iowa or something. But I picked up the first volume, fell in love with it. Like, I just loved it. It was just, it was nostalgic. But I'm I'm embarrassed to say I can't find the volume two. I'm embarrassed to say I don't have three, four, five, and six. So I didn't even finish the story yet. But when I saw Paper Girls on the shelf, uh, immediately grabbed my eye, and just the colors alone, Matt Wilson is just absolutely phenomenal. And long, you know, answer short is no. I've only read this one. <laughs> That's okay. I, I was gonna chime in here. The I think that's interesting just because you talk about how you were interested in animation. And one of the things about the author, Brian K. Vaughn, is he is not just a fantastic comic book writer, but he's also really heavy into television. He was a, a writer and story editor on Lost for three years. You know, he did Under the Dome. Like, he'll take breaks from comics and go, you know, into Hollywood and make some bones and then come back to comics and, and keep pouring things in. But uh, I wonder if that had anything to do with the appeal where, you know, he might have a guiding hand in terms of making it a little bit more cinematic or a little bit more, I don't know, appealing to, to what you're looking for. Yeah, for sure. You know, the way I map out my comics is storyboarding. And I can see that for sure throughout this book is it's very cinematic. It does have a very, a very almost televised feel. It's, it's no wonder that Amazon is going to be picking up Paper Girls. They've already greenlit it. <laughs> 
uh, for a, a live action series that they're going to be having. Hopefully we'll see it in, in the next year or two. But uh, I think during the break, you said that you had like a big stack of comics, like all these comics that other artists have given you as you've gone to shows and you've been introduced to folks. And like, for some reason, you picked up Paper Girls and not only picked it up, but then read it and then said, hey, I'm going to be on the last comic shop and this is the book I want to review. Why this like grab your your imagination and kind of run with it? I think because I didn't grow up with comics and I always thought, you know, the big breasted sexy lady on the front cover was never written for me. And so seeing this book with, you know, an ensemble of all, you know, young girls, I was like, all right, let's see, you know, how often they talk about boys in this, you know, I just, I was curious to see, you know, a female driven story and how it played out. And I'm, delighted that it's really held up and you don't even think about them as girls you know like they're tough and they're strong and they're doing their thing and that's it like it's not a driving point that they're girls you know i don't know it's just i don't uh, even think they talk about boys do they yeah yeah they talk about the the jerks that that pick on them but you know they happen to be boys but piggyback off of caitlin's uh I think the the implication is here. There aren't a lot of these stories out there, you know, with starring female leads that are just being regular kids. In, in the '80s, you had your Goonies and you know Stand by Me and all these movies that were also you know boy centric, and everybody would go and see those movies and and enjoy them. But there wasn't that alternative out there to be like, no, it's the girl's turn. Mm-hmm. And so it's really great to see, even though the creators. You know, or, or males. It seems like they capture the essence of twelve-year-old girls, like what they have to go through. And yeah, it was it was a little bit of a morbid curiosity too to like look in the inside and say, okay, there's a bunch of men writing about teenage girls. Let's see how they do. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But no, I was very pleased. Very pleased. Yeah. Do you have a particular favorite moment from the book? Absolutely. It's it's Tiffany's, um, her life flashing before her eyes, and she's just playing the video game the whole time. That was my favorite part, hands down. <laughs> I, I love the one line in there where she's like, why didn't I stop at level 38? Yeah, whatever stop. it is. Just, just, yeah. And it's also uh, wonderfully counterbalanced by actually what's going on in the real world where you see, I, I think it's uh, K- KJ, what uh, attacks the creature that, you know, tr- basically trying to asphyxiate her with like some sort of tentacle or something, just kind of rips it out of the creature yeah. in this very kind of kind of violent scene but she's not she's not going to let her friend go down like that and it, it's it's just neat because you really get a, an idea of camaraderie in this book even though some of these girls barely know each other that's the other thing about this book uh if you really read it at one point i think aaron says yeah they're not really my friends i think one of them shot me <laughs> and <laughs> Just kind of like, yeah, she was new to the group. There's initiations. But no, at the same time, you know, these characters are thrown together on this one crazy night and they, they have to almost form a, a kind of a sisterhood and kind of protect each other and look out for each other when they barely know each other for the most part. I just think that's neat. Chad? The thing that I loved about this book was how like 80s rough around the edges it was. And that's one thing I, you know, I was joking earlier about the mad mutual assured destruction, but we live in a time 
and we're we're all we're trying to soften things, I guess, is the way that I I want to put things. We all want to make the the world a kinder, more gentler place for people, and in efforts to do that, we sort of gloss over a lot of the the terrible things that happen and the terrible things that people say. And like, I remember being a kid in the '80s, and we were so cruel to each other, and we would say these horrific things, and like that was just Tuesday, and then you would go on and. This book, it's it has that rough around the edges. It doesn't shy away from those moments of kids being kids and being terrible to each other and, and kids bonding together. And I, I really love that. And then whenever you get into the plot with the time machines and you know these guys from the future coming back, I, I feel like it's almost a little bit like retro-futuristic, where it has a foot both in the futuristic realm and in this retro 80s, like, you know, buddy movie uh, type thing. And I, 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 this whole story, it's, it's just grounded enough. Like you feel it when the kid falls off their bike and scrapes their knee. And like, you know, you feel that, Hey, look at that crazy guy with the Apple t-shirt. And like, what are all these Apple devices doing in here? Is this what my iPad is doing? Like, <laughs> is this what this is going to cause? But uh, it, it's so fun uh, with this particular story how they managed to, to straddle the line and really make the futuristic stuff seem weird and out there and futuristic and make the 80s stuff seem, you know, as a part of society that wasn't quite as developed yet. There's so many weird oddball moments in the story. And yeah, like you said, like rough around the edges with the 80s references and the futuristic references, like the very um, yeah. floppy disks type. And they bust out walkie-talkies. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, but it all, for some reason, all comes together and it's just, it, it feels right. Like it all fits. It's a temporal mess, but it all works. It all works. The, the one thing that I had is, um, you know, my wife was the one that introduced me to paper girls and she said, oh, you got to read this book. It's so good. And, and so I, I said, okay, I'm going to read this. And uh, she said, it's, it's, it involves time travel and you like Dr. Who, so you're going to be, you're going to be, you know, look, sometimes that can turn some folks off. Time travel stories can be just not very digestible at times because you're trying to explain how the time travel works and then it, yeah that doesn't make any sense or but I think it's it's interesting how time travel does play a role if you read later paper girls the whole notion is whether or not uh, time travel should be used to kind of fix errors of the past, like whether you should do that now that you have this technology, kind of like what we do with any other sort of technology, which is like, what is the limitations? Once you've opened Pandora's box, like, what do you do with that? Like, what do you do with cloning or what do you do with, you know, playing around with DNA or whatever? And the same thing goes with time travel. If you have that access to that technology, are you, are you going to use it responsibly? Are you not going to use it responsibly? Are you going to go back and shoot a dinosaur? What are you going to do with it? And it's the same thing in this book. You know, that you meet the teenagers from the future, um, the Rocky Dennis kind of character and, and his buddy. I forget what, what are their names? Uh, uh, do they need they? names? Just Melty Face 1, Melty Face 2. Fair oh, enough. Heck, heck is one of them. Oh, there you go. There you go. Heck. Yeah, it's true. And the other one's like Ronaldo or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll just we'll just say that's his name. Heck Ronaldo. Um, ah, see I was close. But no, they they I guess evidently they found the time machine in a junkyard. And uh, you know, they they decide to use it to go back and and take technology. I guess they live so far into the future. It's not really explained a lot in in volume 1, but you really don't need to know much more than that. And uh, other than they're kind of messed up teenagers, just like the young girls in the story. I, I wanted to kind of ask Caitlin Smith whether or not uh, 
that approach to time travel, I don't know if you've you've, you've watched or, or read any other time travel stuff, but do you think like the way that time travel was handled in Paper Girls, like easily digestible? I guess. I my my doctor is the tenth doctor. Just FYI, I love <laughs> Doctor Who. Um, I think it was for sure. I I have been writing on a novel for years, and it's time traveling pirates. And you're right, time travel is a tough cookie to crack. And I don't know if I'll ever finish that that book. Um, I was gonna say you're throwing another genre in the mix, getting into the pirates. Jeez, I know sci-fi and pirates. Um, I loved it, and it kind of made me like, ooh, like when I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, that's awesome that they go back and. I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, they, that's all right. There's okay. spoilers, but they, it, they return back to the ship and, you know, find Aaron in it. Like, I don't know. I just feel like it, it was handled very well. You know, you always, you always worry about like paradoxes and like, okay, you know, if they opened the, the machine, then what would have happened? And I think it was handled well. And I think too, there's a confidence there that your audience is going to pick up on it, and yep. you're not going to be dragged down explaining things and drawing diagrams and circular charts, Jonathan Hickman. Uh, but you just put them into it and be like, "No, we've got pterodactyls and bugs that'll chew your wounds up and make you better. <laughs> Deal with it." Yeah, I did not know that Brian K. Vaughn had done work on Lost, and now that I know that this makes so much sense because lost is like that, you know, you're just thrown in and you're not explained anything. I'm glad this has an end. That's the problem I have with lost is it went for a while and then it just ended and you're like, okay. And what was the point of that? Besides wasting all my time. Yeah, part of the fun is the theories you come up with. <laughs> right. Hot it's button nice though, because, uh, <laughs> you know, and I think, I think why the, di- the, the time travel is digestible in this is because it only happens once. Like, there's really only one time travel thing that happens in this. Like, the whole notion of, like, oh, they just disappeared. Wait, that's where they we found the time machine to begin with. Oh, you know, so it, it's very, no, very... No, no, I'm calling baloney. You've got your time travel ninjas running through and stealing people's walkie-talkies. There's at least three or four instances of time travel here. Yeah, so it's, it's, no, it's no. twist it's ending, too. Um, the pterodactyl's fine, you know. Yeah. Whatever. They really, it's only used as a plot device once. Like, it's like, yeah, they jump in the ship and then they end up somewhere else. And you're like, okay, that makes sense to me. And the last page of the volume where... Right. What what a hit, so, what a hook! That's the thing about Brian K. Vaughn. He knows how to keep your, the audience guessing. When at the end of the book, uh, they all get like I don't know blasted into different time zones or whatever, and three of them end up together. And then I'm 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 Aaron, and then somebody comes out of a car. But I'm Aaron, but I'm much older and kind of cool with yes. my ripped jeans <laughs> and her iPhone, was, her iPod yes. plugged in. Mm-hmm. If this was Netflix or an Amazon Prime show, you'd be like two in the morning. Oh. I gotta watch that next episode. Yeah. Are you One still more. watching? Yes, don't make me click the button. Just show the episode. <laughs> Before we leave, I, I have one more scene I want to talk about, and it's when all the girls get on their bikes and they're pedaling around looking like badasses. They're like, who hasn't, when you're 12 years old, felt like a badass riding your bike down the street with your gang? Like, oh, I love that thing. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be right back with more of The Last Comic Shop right after these messages. We're going to get to our grades for Paper Girls. This should be fairly easy, I guess. I think. Plus some recommendations and more talk with Kaylin Smith. So stay tuned for that. 
was the three-legged dog of comics. It was bad. These two gentlemen met in jail, and then when they got out, they started publishing. It should have been mobsters instead of doing what they do in comics. Management there was questionable at times. Some of it has to do with people who go to jail. We are sinners. We have corrupted the youth. Stuff that should never have been sold to kids. And then there was Charlton. I couldn't quite tell what they were doing. Charlton was just a hodgepodge of weird titles. What is this? Who am I dealing with? John threw nickels around like they were manhole covers. C-A-T-A-P. They were cheap. Hell yes, they're cheap. They were a special kind of special is what they were. Pretty was horrible. You could smell them beginning to decay even as they were rolling off the press. At one point, they actually did have to move the comics operation into a bowling alley. It's something out of a sitcom. We want to publish comic books in the worst way, and they did. It's been called the street fighting cousin of Marvel and DC. Maybe you've heard of them. Probably not. But you do know the industry legends that called it home. This is Charlton Comics. Follow at charltonmovie.com. Oh, it's going to suck. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, where it is now time for our ratings, where we have the audacity to say to Brian K. Vaughn, we are going to rate your book, sir, and you're going to like it. Because why? We're a rinky-dink little podcast, and that's what we do. That's what we do. We try to say to ourselves, we got to feel important somehow. We're going to give it a one out of four scale, and we're going to rate your particular work. And uh, J.A. likes to give us a particular scale every week that's kind of unique. So, J.A., what is our rating scale for Paper Girls? So, rating scale is very easy this week. Uh, Close to my heart, as I used to be a paper boy. So, papers delivered. Breaking windows and riding on bars. Having the little handlebars in that arcade game. That was the best paper boy. Uh, I went through the book, and they, they deliver in the book officially two papers <laughs> well that one guy wasn't paying his bill he's not getting papes yeah those newsies don't come there you have to shorten papers <laughs> what are you papes. crunchy isn't that is that the name of one of the newsies oh god i can't remember that's it's it's so long ago i remember it's headlines don't sell papes newsies sell papes <laughs> christian bale dancing all right well we're gonna start off with ja since he he recommended these papers deliver and he always delivers on this show ja what are you going to rate it this week i'm going to rate it three out of four papers delivered i really enjoyed the book it as i said when i got to the end i wanted to pick up volume two and continue the story so anytime you get to the end of a comic and you want more you know that already boosted up a level the art is fantastic the colors are just so vibrant i don't think we've gushed enough over the coloring except to say that it won a bunch of eisners which paradoxically some people will say well that must mean it sucks (laughs) (laughs) that is true there's some of those folks that say that just because something wins an eisner it's no good Anyways, so are, so are you going to read more? I'm going to, yeah. I want to find out what happens. And I know that uh, I'm hoping I get a satisfactory conclusion after my uh, six-volume investment. Since I'm nine volumes into Saga and nine more to go. <laughs> there you go. You never know when you're going to get lost it again, though. Be careful. That's right. They might throw in some, I don't know, black smoke and then try to explain what it is. I was so disappointed. They were all dead. That's bull. Bullshit. (laughs) By the way, kids, spoilers for Lost from 15 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Just in case you never watched that. Any case, we've got uh, Chad. He's going to give us uh, his rating for Paper Girls. What are you rating it, buddy? 
I'm going to go fourth. Today you stepped on my toes by bringing up the Matthew uh, Wilson colors and how we haven't gushed enough about them. He does such a great job of setting the tone of this book. No matter what the situation is, like between that and the Cliff Chang art, everything is so clear, but the like the feeling is there, whether he's going through the like the blues in the night, and then there's that one panel I brought up earlier where the girl's knees are, are bruised through her jeans, and like all of a sudden he busts out like a, an orange there, and you feel the pain. Like it's just such great emotional manipulation through the art, through the colors, and the storyline. You know, when Brian K. Vaughan, you're going to get a great story, but uh, really the art duties on this book they they pull their weight and more. This is a good uh, book for people that aren't super duper into comics. I could definitely see giving this to somebody in high school and be like, "Oh, you like Stranger Things? You want to try comics? Give this a go." Because it does capture that feeling, and it's it's immediately accessible. You get into there, you get all you need to know, and whatever else you need to figure out, you'll figure it out later. But uh, it, it's great stuff. Okay. Kaylin, what is your rating for Paper Girls? How many papers are you delivering, ma'am? Oh, four papers. Throwing them out. Four. Um <laughs> I want to say, too, you know, the languages that were in there, there's the the alien language and then the the weird dialogue that or dialect that uh, the elders talk in. It's very smart. And and, um, yeah, when you're reading, you're like slowing down. You're like, what the heck is going on? But I really appreciate that. Like they created their own language. I love it. That's right. That's why I'm giving it four papers delivered as well for this week. You know, a, a, a book is good when you read something like Saga and you say, boy, Brian K. Vaughn just hit it out of the park with Saga. Like things like Lion Cat and and the, some of the dialogue, like in the first uh, trade of Saga, there's uh, some a woman after being through hell, like giving birth and, and running from, you know, all these people trying to kill her, basically takes a shower and she's like, I would have sex with that shower. He knows how to write dialogue and he knows how to write dialogue that means something to folks, that really connects with, that you can say, yeah, I've been in that situation before where th- that uh, at the end of the day, that's all I wanted was just to take a shower because I just was through hell and I just wanted to get clean. Like I just wanted to. So in, in paper girls, you get the same thing. I think that's where, you know, Caitlin Smith hit the, the nail on the head where the dialogue, whether it's alien dialogue or the weird language kind of broken English that all the elders speak in or whatever, or just the dialogue in between the actual paper girls themselves. Like the, I should have stopped at level 28. Like these are all things that they're they're touchstones. Like we we know how these characters feel. I feel like sometimes in comic books that can be lost uh, unless the the right person's behind the wheel. I mean, I think that um, Brian Michael Bendis does it really well with dialogue. Brian K. Vaughn is the same way. I think it's something with Brian's. Like if your name is Brian, you're going to write good dialogue, I guess. And uh, I feel like now that I've read both Saga and Paper Girls and also with other things like Ex Machina, I think that Paper Girls is probably Brian K. Vaughn's most approachable work. Uh, Saga is still kind of out there, even though it deals with a lot of family drama and a lot of things that folks can probably relate to it's still got a robot with a television for a head it's still got this one scene where there's these giant heads on on legs and they go to sextillion or whatever it's so creepy and to Uh, J.A.'s point this is 30 issues like that's a very doable thing as opposed to saga where 
Saga's up over 75 before they went on hiatus? Or Yeah, yeah. This is this is something where you can get in, you can get out, you can move on with your day. And I think that's why this particular program's been greenlit for an Amazon series and Saga is still out there. Although I don't know, sometimes I feel like Saga is would be really hard to adapt anyways. But sci-fi stuff to do well. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that on Uncanny Valley. Just start getting that stuff with those giant heads on legs. Anyways, uh, speaking of uh, other great books out there other than Saga, because I guess that might be one of our recommendations on this program. We also like to give you other books that you can pick up in your free time, as well as Paper Girls Volume 1, as we just talked about. As we often do on this program, we like to do a current book, a similar book, and a book out of left field, although I don't know if we're going to follow those rules on this show. Uh, We've also got Kaylin Smith. She's going to give us a cherry on the top which is great. We love when guests do that. And so we're going to go ahead and start off with a similar book, and it is another one written by Brian K. Vaughn, which I've talked about quite a lot, and that comes from J.A. So, J.A., what are you going to be recommending this week? Yes, I'm going to recommend Saga. (laughs) The the entire run, up to this point, which is only half of the story. So you get half of the saga. And uh, to Chad's point, it is a bit of a saga. is a long story it, uh, it's basically I mean the whole when it's done it'll be the the story of this girl Hazel from birth to who knows what we haven't got that far yet she's only uh, a little kid right now but uh, it starts out with basically you know sort of a Romeo Juliet people from different species coming together to make uh, the antichrist and or savior of society type figure and uh, what they get into, you know, it, it, if you grew up liking big space opera type stories, this is for you. If you like paper girls and uh, the dialogue, it's very similar in saga though, a little bit more R rated. I think paper girls is like PG 13 compared to saga sagas. Definitely not past the comics code <laughs> back in the day by any stretch of the imagination. It's not something for young children. Uh, this is not the book that you're going to give to your 10-year-old to get them into reading comics. But it's definitely something that you give to your college-age cousin, niece or nephew, that is kind of into comics and uh, wants a different story. And, you know, it's one Eisner's and Hugo's and Harvey's. It's just, you know, it's... It's that type of book. All right. And now it's time for our current book, and that comes from Chad, which I think is going to be other Brian K. Vaughn stuff. Exactly. I'm going to... Wait, I was current this week? Let's make J.A.'s the current. Mine is just going to be Brian K. Vaughn's back catalog, because I've already recommended the Cliff Chang Wonder Woman stuff on another show. Cliff Chang is awesome. I talked about Matt Wilson. He's awesome. But BKB, if you're into politics... Pick up Ex Machina. That's his book with the the mayor with the superpowers. If you're into post-apocalyptic weirdness, check out Why the Last Man, a series he did from Vertigo in D.C. You want more teens uh, coming of age and, you know, crazy supervillain chicanery? uh, Check out Runaways. If you want weird sci-fi out there, detective noir stuff, you could pick up Private Eye. He did with Marcos Martin. But uh, just seek out Brian K. Vaughn's name. You're going to find quality stuff as a result. So I'm cheating this week. If you want good recommendations, just look for Brian K. Vaughn. You'll find something. That's right. Uh, that, is, that is the best recommendation we can give. It's just anything with BKV on it. That's that's a quality book. Uh, but Unless also, it's lost. 
Damn you, Smoke Monster! Anyways, uh, for the out of left field pick this week, it's uh, it's actually also similar. It's also current because it was released not too long ago. But it is not a Brian K. Vaughn book, so I am not falling into that camp this week. This is actually comes from a Norwegian cartoonist named Jason. Uh, also uh, known as John Art Sutteroy. I'm sorry if I just put Just pick his one name. and go! Yeah, whatever. His name is Jason. And uh, he did a great book, which is called I Killed Adolf Hitler. <laughs> and uh, the most th- amazing thing about uh, Jason's work is he uses all anthropomorphic animals. So, Caitlin Smith, if you like animation, you should check out some of Jason's work. And uh, this book won an Eisner back in 2008 for Best uh, U.S. Edition of International Materials. That's hoity-toity. But uh, this book book i killed adolf hitler is about time travel similar to what you get with the paper girls but similar to paper girls the really the focus isn't on time travel it's about a hitman who is having basically relationship issues and basically dumps his girlfriend and then the girlfriend tries to kill him (laughs) and he says okay i'm gonna take this job to kill adolf hitler uses a time machine goes back and fails because Adolf Hitler knocks him out and steals the time machine, which is kind of an interesting twist. And the guy has to basically live from when he goes back in the 1930s until the present day. And it's actually really just a story about how people grow and they change, but sometimes the things that they didn't appreciate when they were at one age uh, later on actually mean quite a lot to them in terms of those relationships that we had. Uh, and it, it's it's really, really great. Uh, Fantagraphics uh, puts it out. It's got a real Tintin kind of quality to it. Those folks that like uh, Tintin and kind of the known for like the sparse backgrounds and nice clean lines, that's all Jason's work. He does some other, other great books like Athos in America and The Last Musketeer. But I Killed Adolf Hitler. That is a great book, not only because eventually he does kill Adolf Hitler, but you just learned some stuff about relationships, too. So in the case, we've got the cherry on the top, and that comes from Kaylin Smith. Kaylin, what are you recommending for today's program? My cherry is actually pretty fitting for you. what you recommended. It's Mouse by Art Spiegelman. It is the horribly beautiful story about the Holocaust survivor. And uh, I told you, you know, earlier that I hadn't grown up with comics or with graphic novels. However, in middle school, I was introduced to this this book, and uh, it just blew me away. It's so heartbreaking and honest, and uh, and I just I love history. I love nonfiction. Uh, so this was right up my alley. So I, I always say, you know, if you haven't read that. You need to read it. Yeah. The analogy of all the the folks, you know, being mice and then the the Nazis being cats. Yeah. uh, You're right. I would probably put it on the Mount Rushmore of comics up there with things like The Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen. Probably even higher than both of those, just simply because of the social gravity of that particular book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Real quickly, Chad, what's the interesting fact about... I was going to say, anytime somebody brings this up, this this high-minded, wonderful story between a father and his son and acceptance and the Holocaust and all these uh, horrific things, um, I like to bring it down a little bit and remind people that Art Spiegelman, responsible for Mouse, also responsible for Garbage Pail Kids. (laughs) 
So, you know, garbage pail kids basically funded Mouse back in the day. Yeah. He made all his money on garbage pail kids. He did? <laughs> the, the high mighty thing makes no money, right? Isn't that isn't that a perfect distillation of capitalism? That's right. You gotta you gotta make garbage pal kids in order to fund your hoity toity projects. You know this to be true. But no, I, real quickly, uh, Kaylin, if, if you really like Mouse, there's another great book that you should check out by Emil Ferris. It's uh, my favorite thing is Monsters, which is highly influenced by Mouse. It deals with very similar things, um, and it's done in a very, very interesting style in which a, uh, a young girl is drawing in like a notebook, and she loves monster movies, and everything is done on notebook paper. And it is gorgeous. It's very, very dark, though. I made Chad read it, and he was yeah. like, no, I had to put that down several times because that, that was intense. Not in teepees, intense. It was fine. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> I can second that recommendation, but I don't want to read it again just because it freaked me out so much. I'm going to make yeah. people read it on this show for sure. Come <laughs> Halloween time, my favorite thing of Monsters is going to be on this program. Maybe we'll have Caitlin Smith back for that. The art is so beautiful, and it looks like it's done with a ballpoint pen. A lot of times, but she's like recreating like paintings and museums with ballpoint pens. It's crazy. Well, thank you so much for that cherry on the top. And uh, of course, that's the all the time we had for the last comic truck this week. But we're going to allow Kaylin Smith to just gush about what a tremendous artist she is. So real quickly, Kaylin, I know you've got a fantastic Kickstarter um out there right now it's just wrapping up and in just the next couple of days but it's been tremendous like the folks that have just come out and out of the woodwork to support uh, the is it the final volume of um for goodness sake it is yes yeah, yeah. so i think i think that's what's encouraging people to come out is like oh, okay the, the book is complete so yeah we have a, a finale there um but yeah it's it's going strong and i'm eternally grateful holy crap i'm I'm speechless about it. It's It's been going great. Absolutely. So, yeah, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, we're going to have links to her Kickstarter in the uh, show notes here. It's only through uh, April 9th, so only a few days. It's the home stretch for this particular thing. Get out there. Support Kaylin Smith. And don't forget about, for goodness sake, Volumes 1 and 2. Kaylin, where can people get a hold of some of the, the great work you're doing in addition to that and Plume and everything else? So kaylinsmith.net is my website. You can uh, uh, actually grab the first and second volume of For Goodness Sake on there. You can also get the two, first two volumes on the Kickstarter as well. And uh, yeah, all my social media is linked through that site as well. So follow me, stalk me. <laughs> there you go. Real quickly, before I let you go for the day, I did want to ask you, since you're an animator, since you said you love storyboards, what are your top five animated series of all time? Oh my gosh. I knew this was coming and I, I was going to prepare it and I didn't. Uh, okay. <laughs> Gargoyles, hands down, was my favorite show ever. I even had the um, VHS with the game board. Xanatos would like, you know, tell you where to, to go and all that. Like, I wore that thing out. Loved it. Uh, you know, the Batman series, of course. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, two more. Let's see. Can I go really old school and do like, yeah, Tailspin and then the uh, Rescue Rangers. Yes! I'm going yeah. You're going to have those Disney theme songs afternoon. in my head. <laughs> I myself am a big fan of Darkwing Duck. Everyone will know that. When there's trouble, you call DW. So which one did you like more? Did you like Rescue Rangers or Tailspin more? Oh, 
don't make me choose. I think I would go with uh, Rescue Rangers. I yes. think be my favorite. Yeah, that's Chip and Dale. That's gadget. I had a giant gadget toy. It was like. Uh, her head was all plastic, and then her body was all cushiony. I loved her, and then my sister sent her down a river in a boat. <laughs> Never saw her again. Oh, kids can be so cruel. I know she was. She was twenty-one at the time. No, I'm <laughs> I was always partial to Voltron, but the vehicle Voltron, not the lion Voltron. I could not remember the vehicle Voltron. I remember the toy, but not the cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought of another one. Avatar: Last Airbender. That's another great series, but that's that's newer. I'm thinking like when I grew up, but yeah, yeah. That's that's cool. I'm, I'm gonna keep thinking about all these animated series, but. <laughs> all right. Well, one thing that's always animated is Last Comic Shop, and you can make sure that you check us out every single week by going out to www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Is our fantastic little website where you can rate, review, and subscribe to our fantastic, terrific, wonderful, marvelous podcast every single week on places like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, YouTube, CastBox, uh, Amazon Podcasts, and a variety of other podcasting platforms. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and we highly recommend that you do that because sometimes we post things that Kaylin Smith does, and she does some great artwork. Her and all these other folks, they do great artwork on Twitter, and we pre-post it. So make sure that you follow us on, on Twitter so that you can see some fantastic stuff from other comic book artists daily. As well as, uh, J.A., what else can they find on our website every single day? Merchandise! I was going to say they can find out all the spoilers for Lost, but no. Merchandise! <laughs> T-shirts! Hoodies, beer koozies, what you need, we've got it. And while we may be the last comic shop podcast, we're probably not the last comic shop in your time. So make sure you head out to the comic shop locator, www.comicshoplocator.com. Find a shop near you. Uh, support those local comic shops. Support those local artists, folks like Kaylin Smith that are making great stuff, putting it out there in the world for our entertainment edification and throw some cash their way. All right. And until next week, I was the host with most Andy Larson. I was joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and the wonderfully talented Kaylin Smith. And until next week, stay safe, stay sheltered, and make sure that you stay out of weird time machines. Because you never know what kind of weird bugs are in there. You gotta take a can of raid next time. Sure, you got a bullet wound, but come on, they were still cockroaches. They needed leeches back in the day. If they have healy cockroaches, bring them I on. am not George Washington, sir. I don't believe in your holistic medicine. I will not have bugs chewing on me. Last Comic Shop was a 2021 Black Angus production.